Hey, Drew, I found a nice little life hack. Guess what it is? Uh, I wonder. I, I might have the same thing. You tell me. There you go. It's these neat little magic mind elixirs. It's this little uh, little all-natural drink to drink in the morning, a productivity drink, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's pretty cool stuff. It's It's got matcha in it, which yeah. uh, I've never been able to, like, afford matcha because it's a very high price mm-hmm. like green tea uh that's i don't know they pull it from the mountaintops or something yeah. <laughs> and it's and but it, it's like a concentrated version of matcha and it's like the best green tea flavor you'll ever taste absolutely but I, I i drink this with my coffee in the mornings and uh work days um my mornings are uber productive uh, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not bouncing off the walls or anything. I just have, like, a little more energy, a little more clarity. You know, it's not – it it's it makes my my mind magic, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, for me, it solved a nice little problem. I have this unfortunate energy drink obsession. I drink uh-huh. one to get ready in the morning as I go, you know, the 140 milligrams of caffeine or whatever. But then midway through my eight-hour day, I talk myself into having a second one. And that's a little too much. It becomes kind of an expensive yeah. day. Uh, that's a lot of caffeine. And I'm still getting the crash from it. So I'm working on weaning my way off of that second energy drink, just having a little bit of caffeine in the morning. And these magic minds help me kind of finesse that way through, keep the sustained energy through the day and not have to do a whole nother yeah. Big giant energy drink the second yeah. half of the day. It's cut my <laughs> my pots of coffee from two to one, which is you know a healthy choice. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm burning through these, um, so I'm going to be using our code uh, to restock. And uh, you go to magicmind.co/slash/comicsfunprofit and use our code comicsfunprofit. You get 56% off the subscription for the next 10 days with this code. Um, you can use that same code, uh, Comics Fund Profit, for, to get 20% off, but you get 50% off if you do the subscription model um, in the next 10 days. So 56% off. They're really hooking you up. Yeah, more than half. More than half. I'm, I'm no math whiz, but that's pretty good. So, yeah, Absolutely. check out check out Magic Mind. We like it, um, and we think it's, make, it's, it's helping us make some healthy choices, which is, what, which is what we need to do. Absolutely. Aloha. It's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing a friend of the show, Erica Schultz. She is here to promote her new Kickstarter campaign called Crystal. Now, this campaign starts on March 28th. Um, and, you know, during this interview, she would, you know, not only be talking about, her, you know, the first volume of her um, Kickstarter Crystal, she, you know, will be also talking about her latest Marvel projects, Hollows Eve and X-23 Deadly Regenesis. Now, um, the issue, you know, the first, you know, now the first issues of these, uh, both of these comics are out in stores right now. And also too, um, towards the end of the interview, we're also going to be talking a little bit about um, one, um, about her other, one of her other works that started off as a Kickstarter, The Deadliest Bouquet by Image Comics. And that's going to come out in a trade um, in April. Now, Erica, Welcome back to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Aloha. Um, I'm doing okay, you know, mm-hmm. getting through life one day at a time kind of thing like everybody else. Yes. Thank oh, you for I, having yes. me on again. 
Oh, but but Erica, thank you very much for coming back on. Like like I always, you know, just thank you for giving me another opportunity to talk to you about your work and comics and you know, so yeah, and everything. Thank you very much. Well, it's always uh, great chatting with people who are enthusiastic about comics and really passionate about comics, and you definitely are. So it's always always fun to interact with people like that because you have this shared connection, you know. Yes, no, it's just it's just thank you very much. Thank you. Um. And listeners, I just want to, you know, just, and Erica, feel free to jump in at any time and correct me or add something. But um, Erica has written, uh, now I know it's a trade in, uh, it's a trade from Dark Horse right now, Forgotten Home. It's one of the stories yeah. that I, that I, it's one, it's a very good story. I love that story. Um, and, I, and I've already mentioned from Image Comics, The Deadliest Bouquet. Um, and also, I know, now correct me if I'm wrong, I think, what was it? Uh, it was a few years ago. You wrote a story for uh, the, you wrote a story in the Daredevil. You wrote a Daredevil annual. Is that correct? Yeah, it was uh, 2018. I did a Daredevil annual. Um, and uh, last summer, actually, uh, last July, um, I was able to do a um, a short in uh, Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood. Number three. Yes. I did a short uh, Moon Knight story. And. Actually, I'm going to jump through one of the questions right now um, because I remember, I think, was it, was that um, issue going to come out close to New York Comic Con? I for, Oh, it was San Diego. Oh, okay, San Diego. Uh, yeah, it was right around the time. Of, it was literally like during that week of San Diego was when, uh, was when that issue came out. Yeah. Okay. Now, because I remember you tweeted out something about it would be so cool if Oscar, Oscar Isaac would be um, San Diego Comic Con. Yes. I'm going to ask because... It didn't happen. It didn't it did, happen. Okay. All right. Um, okay, though. I'm still waiting, Oscar. Yes. Still waiting. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, yeah, hope, hopefully in the, hopefully sometime in the near... Hopefully within... Well, let's see. Well, my understanding is I think... I don't know if they're doing a season two about Moon Knight. I don't know. I keep... I, like... Whenever I Google it, I'll get like all these conflicting kind of reports, like all these sites that are like, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And mm -hmm. it's all kind of clickbait. So I, I don't think anybody's ever announced, like announced specifically, yes, they will be doing a season. No, I, yeah, I, I haven't heard anything, but I think one of the latest rumors is he is supposed to show up in one of the Avengers movie. I can't remember if it's Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars, something like that. I, okay. I, you know, but I'm going. But I was kind of thinking, you know, and what is that it's supposed to be coming out within the next two, three years? So you have two or three years to bring your issue to all the cons, all the big cons that <laughs> to you're going to him down. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Oscar, sign my comment. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. I'm going to continue on. Um, let's see. Um, um, I you know, and also you know, Erica, I just want to you know thank you very much for giving me a sneak peek um through the um campaign page you know based and listeners you know um i i because i told when i was emailing erica back and forth you know i told her i really wasn't too familiar um um with um the backstory of cristobal so she so it was nice thank you very much erica you sent me a link to, like a sneak peek of the um campaign page you know for at least to help me prepare for this interview. So thank you very much for doing it. 
You're right. welcome. And and I'm glad that it, it gave you, it, it's actually, it's good for me too, because you said you got a lot of information from it, which is great because, you know, usually when you launch a campaign, you have no idea how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. But, you know, getting that feedback is, is actually really important. So thank you very much for taking a look. And the other thing too, um, sorry, I don't know, I'm going to jump maybe a little bit ahead, but, but I love because Kevin Mayer, because he did the logo design for that. Kevin Mayer, yeah. Okay, so yeah. And I just, I love, I, I love it. It's because I love the col color design. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's, it looks like some type of like, you know, you, you see the, you know, crystal ball. Um, um, the, you know, I, it's kind of like an, in an old English style font. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's a story that it that plays a lot with uh, the medieval genre. Mm -hmm. So when the it's based on a poem that was written in 1797. And it in the poem, they sort of, you know, they sort of call back to the very, you know, medieval tropes of the knights and the, the damsels oh. and such. Mm -hmm. And that's what the story uh, uh, works off of is this sort of medieval sword and light sorcery um, uh, uh, genre. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Kevin actually also designed the logo for Forgotten Home. He designed the logo for the Deadliest Bouquet. Okay. Uh, he designed the Cristobal logo. Uh, he's designed quite a few logos. We went to college together and he was in the art school. Um, I was in the English school. He, I was in the um, arts and sciences for English Lit. Mm -hmm. And he was in the art school and we knew each other from college. And so uh, we kept in touch all these years. And he's a really very talented designer. Um, so I, you know, people need logos. I, I always throw his mm -hmm. name out because he's got like a very good, clean aesthetic and he's really, he's very easy to work with, but also um, he really knows how to communicate uh, what, you know, not just the genre, but, but sort of taking the spirit of the story itself yes. and bringing it out into the logo. Because he really did a great design because it, yeah. um, because I love the, it looks like a, like a dark blue, royal blue background. And I love the, like, almost like the gold yellow trimming around it. it it's, it just. Yeah, the braiding around yes, it, yeah. Yes, it, it just gives that nice, it, 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 it just fits um, the story and the time. Yeah. And it's almost like there's, um, um, almost like um, an eloquent, eloquence to it um a little bit of royalty to it so yeah and i know we'll and well, also those colors you know that 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 very you know um strong blue and the gold i mean those colors themselves as well like invoke that sort of that 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 air about them this you know royalty and yes. and you know days of your kind of thing so yeah definitely definitely yes. like i said it's a great design <clears throat> okay oh i'm sorry so um before we start jumping in, where can new listeners and new readers follow you on social media? Um, okay, so unfortunately, I have so many different social medias because, you know, Twitter's been weird. Yes. Um, but I am Erica Schultz42 on Twitter, on Mastodon. I'm Erica Schultz42 at toot.site. I am also on Hive at Erica Schultz42. Mm -hmm. 
And on Instagram, I'm Erica Schultz writes W R I T E S. So, and it's sad that you have like all these different things now, just because Twitter is being so weird, you know? Yeah. And then also yeah. to correct me if I'm wrong, you have a web, you have a website, correct? I do. I have Erica Schultz writes.com. Um, I have literally on my list of my list of things to do today. Um, I have, you know, put more stuff up on the website, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, re-update the website because now that Hollow's Eve and X23 are out, I've got to put that on the homepage. So that is part of my list of things to do definitely today is to um, to get all that stuff up on the website. Okay. And then again, listeners, you know, if you are interested in picking up any of um, Erica's past, sh- uh, past works, you know, just check out her website. So, all right. So I'm going to jump right in. So, I know the campaign, now correct me if I'm wrong, now um, the Crucible Kickstarter campaign, it's going to begin, correct me if I'm wrong, on March 28th, is that correct? Yes, March 28th is going to be our launch date, yes. And we're we're on the East Coast, so it's going to launch anywhere from 10 a.m. to 12 Uh p.m. East Coast time. Uh So it'll probably still be yesterday for you then. Yes. It'll probably still be yesterday. And then... Um, and then, um, how, yeah, how long is, because I, yeah, how long is the campaign going to run? Is it going to be 30 days or? Yeah, it's going to be your standard 30. Um, it's going to be March 28th to April 28th. I know that when you do set up a Kickstarter campaign, you can run it for, you know, as I think as few as seven days and as much as 60 days. Um, but I think the I think the baseline average, like the vast majority are Mm -hmm. at that. 30 day mark because mm-hmm. that seems to be you know um that seems to be like i guess the most popular choice yeah but you could make it run for like if you want to do something like I'm, it's going to be running for 16 days mm-hmm. or something like really specific you can do that too yeah oh okay all when right. you go to set when you go to uh set up your page okay all right now now already you mentioned that the you know um I'm going to, and forgive me if I ask, because I can't remember if I, if we, you know, I think, I know we talked a little bit about it before we did the interview, but, um, you know, um, you've, um, I know you already mentioned about that, you know, um, you already talked a little bit about the, the history of Cristobal, like, you know, um, let's see, what, you know, like, um, where did you um, first hear about this epic poem? And can you go into the, the incredible history of it? Because it has a very unique history. To- yes. So um, I was an English major in college and my concentration was uh, British Romantic poetry. Mm-hmm. So I studied everyone from William Blake, who's considered the father of romantic po- uh, romanticism, of romantic poets, all the way up, you know, past Keats, Coleridge, uh, Wordsworth, Byron, uh, mm-hmm. Shelley, Wollstonecraft, everybody, you know, in that in that realm. Um, and I really enjoyed lyrical ballads, which was sort of a partnership between Wordsworth and Coleridge. It was a, a, a series. They, I think they did two, maybe three volumes of it. But it was a series of stories and poems and epic poems that they did um, that, you know, they would each take, you know, they would each have a certain amount of poems that they would put into the book. Um, and Christabel was originally conceived 
as having five parts to it. Um, and the first part, I believe it was 1797, was when the was when part one was released. And then part two was released a few years later. Um, and something happened between part two and the rest of history. And it's kind of a rumor. I don't know if it's true and mm -hmm. academics yeah. can, can correct me, but it's, it was kind of a thing where uh, Wordsworth said to Coleridge, I don't think that this, you know, that this is up to our standard. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't, you know, I know that this poem is something that you want to do, but it's not really up to the high standards mm -hmm. that we've been setting for ourselves. And uh, that kind of, you know, frightened Coleridge away. And he never finished parts three through five. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if he ever started them, if he ever outlined them, if mm -hmm. he knew where the story was going. Mm -hmm. I have no clue. And I've done some research on it. And I can't seem to find, and from, you know, looking at different academics, I cannot seem to find any evidence that he ever started mm -hmm. these three, uh, the following three chapters of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but it's a poem that I, that I first read, uh, I think it was my sophomore year in college. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking, you know, 1995, 96. Mm -hmm. And it, it stuck with me. There was something about it that mm -hmm. just literally stuck with me for all these years. Um, I have multiple copies of it. I have, I have my old book. Where is it? Is it here or is it here? Oh, it's even here. I have She's my original copy copy. Norton's Anthology of English Literature from, uh, from college. The original Christabel written, and you see, I have notes. Yes. In the margins um for the you know part one and two mm -hmm. and unfortunately we don't get past part two uh-huh so i always i always wondered what happened because part two kind of i mean each part sort of hangs on a cliffhanger oh it's like reading comics it's it's serialized it's yes. like reading comics so you want to know what's going to happen next so you get to the end of part two and what's going to happen next well yes. You know, in the Norton's anthology, it literally just goes to another poem from Coleridge. Mm -hmm. like, where's you said in the beginning that it was going to be five parts and you only gave me two. Mm -hmm. um, so it I mean, I was very obsessed with this poem just because it invoked this idea. You know, it, it had sort of the Arthurian legends behind it and not not specifically Arthur, but, you know, the mm -hmm. knights and the maidens and such. Um, and it dealt with this idea of evil lurking. Yes. And, uh, you know, evil can 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 present itself in these strange ways. You know, the, yes. this character of Geraldine is this beautiful young woman mm -hmm. who is very evil. But, you know, she doesn't look like this, you know, decrepit old witch. Yes. No, she's this very demure beautiful young woman who is able to really um sort of bewitch people simply by being as she is versus being you know when you think about the evil witch or the evil sorceress it's you know somebody who's decrepit and crumb i mean you think about um you know like a uh, uh snow white the, yes. the mm -hmm. 
little old witch that gives Snow White the apple. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got the crazy nose and mm-hmm. she's hunched over and everything. But here's Geraldine, this young woman who claims to be a noble. Um, and she is tall and beautiful and, you know, pale, you know, uh, you know, pale, beautiful skin and, mm-hmm. and everything. And, and yet she's able to, I guess for lack of a better term, almost like con her way into Christabel's life. Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout the poem, there's sort of this third person narrator who's saying, you know, Christabel, this is, you know, something's going on here. You know, alert, alert, my Mm spidey sense is going off. And it is alluded to that this is actually the ghost of Christabel's mother who had passed. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But they don't go into it. And there's so many little things that it'll touch on mm-hmm. that you won't actually get any resolution to because the poem itself is not, the story is not resolved. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, in my notes, I literally write things like, you know, is this, uh, is this Christabel's mother speaking? Um, you know, who's, who is it that, uh, that is warning her about Geraldine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's just really strange how we never got any answers to it. And and the poem just sort of sat with me for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, well, if I were to finish it, yes. what would I do? Uh-huh. How would I finish it? Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to tell stories in a nonlinear fashion. I tend to sort of start where you see the character as an adult and then we go back and see what, you know, how they became who they are. Um, So I decided, I was like, how, you know, I could, I could find a way to do this, to take the core story. Mm -hmm. There's some of the tiny bits of details that I've changed a bit, like in, um, in the original, her father, Christabel's father is a baron. Mm -hmm. Whereas in my story, her father is a king. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So just these, you know, tiny little bits, but there's a way to take, I said, you know, there's a way to take this core story and really find a way to tell the rest of it. Mm -hmm. What happened to this princess who, you know, unbeknownst to her, you know, 14, 15 year old girl Mm -hmm. brings this witch into their home. Yes. What happens? What are the, what are the repercussions of Mm -hmm. it? And in that second part of the poem, when Geraldine meets Leoline, who mm-hmm. is Christabel's father yes. and the widower, immediately he is besotted. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, wow, mm-hmm. who is this? Mm-hmm. And, oh, all these terrible things have happened to you? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get down to the, We're going to get down to this and we're going to make sure that whoever, because Geraldine spins this tale of how she was you know these marauders you mm-hmm. know uh ca- kidnapped her etc yes. we're gonna we're gonna get down to this and we're gonna you're protected now you're here you're safe mm-hmm. and you can see that he's already immediately you know bewitched by her beauty by her grace by you know she's she's very much the oh thank you my lord oh it's, thank you kind sir you know the, kind of thing the damsel in distress Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and at this time period, this sort of this during this medieval time of chivalry, you know, guys felt great helping the damsel yes. in distress. 
But then you learn that Geraldine really isn't in distress at all. And she's the one who starts pulling strings. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I wanted to use that as a foundation and then build on from there. Mm -hmm. And what we did was we took the idea of Christabel having finally figured out what Geraldine was doing. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, her father chooses Geraldine over Christabel. Yes. Mm -hmm. And casts her out. So when we first meet Christabel in this volume one that we're doing, mm -hmm. she is 25. She's been working as a mercenary and a bounty hunter. Mm hmm for the past seven, eight years mm -hmm. um, because she's been kicked out of her home. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because her father chose mm -hmm. Geraldine over her. Mm -hmm. And she is very good at what she does, but it is very antithetical to who she was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was never this, you know, this you know perfect little pretty little princess in dresses all the time she was always a little rough and tumble mm -hmm. but she had she had status she had uh yes. she had a place to rest her head yes. now she's a nomad yes because in the preview pages um because in the preview pages i remember um you know um she's going after one of her bounties she yes. takes him down and i know the last panel he kind of He's like you said, Christabel had the status, you know, of, you know, she was supposed to be the princess. But now it's like, you know, I remember seeing that last panel. I think the guy looks back, you know. She's the, like swinging her, she's about to swing her sword on him. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he says, I forget what the term, you know, it, you know, it was almost like, oh, you weak sapling or so, something. He degrades her. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's is, very, he's very disparaging to her. He, he, you know, he says, you know, he calls her a mangy bitch. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's just very, you know, all these things that you wouldn't, that a princess would not be experiencing. Yes. You know, so she, and this is how she's been living her life because for her, it's literally just about survival. Mm -hmm. And later on in the past, the preview pages, later on in the, in the volume, she has this sort of, you know, conversation with herself saying you know i've been alone all these years uh -huh. um all the and she's you know she's washing blood out of her clothing uh -huh. and she's saying you know this is this is kind of a far cry from where i first came from uh -huh. you know as i'm washing blood out of my clothing yes um and she really is just saying you know she has sort of this inner monologue of you know this is all i've known now and i yes. feel like that life that I had mm -hmm. is so far away. Yeah. You know, I can remember it, but it almost feels like a dream. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like it was even mine. It mm -hmm. isn't even my life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that sort of sets her down this sort of existential path. And then we learn that she then sees someone from her past, not Geraldine, but someone from her past um, meets up with her and that gives her hope because she's sort of been roaming the lands yes. trying to earn money and talk to mystics and seeing if there's any way that she could get back home and mm -hmm. be able to vanquish Geraldine. Mm -hmm. yes. Because, you know, her father isn't going to let her through the door if Geraldine yeah. is still there. 
whispering in his ear. Mm -hmm. You know. So, and I'm going to say, um, the person, you know, um, because they kind of now I can go into these other two characters. So, is one of the characters that she runs into? Is it um, Wei Jun? Wei Jun, and who's so? Can you talk about who Wei Jun is, and then Roland, who Roland is? So Wei Jun is a giant. He is over oh. seven feet tall, mm -hmm. and he used to be the captain of the King's Guard. Mm -hmm. So they grew up together, and he trained her when she. He's he's only probably about six or seven years older than she is. He's yes. not much older, but he's mm -hmm. he's older enough. Yeah, and uh, and he trained her, mm -hmm. and he was his he was King Leoline's most trusted mm -hmm. knight. Yeah. Um, and when Christabel is cast out, he protests mm -hmm. and says, you know, you're not thinking, my lord, you're, yes. you know, this, he doesn't sit, come right out and say, Geraldine's, you know, yeah. you know, she's, she's, you know, messing with you, but he says, I don't think you're thinking clearly, mm -hmm. let's, let's have a conversation, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of this interesting dichotomy because he is this enormous person, mm -hmm. but his his first reaction is not to go for the sword. No, his yes. first reaction is let's talk this out. Mm -hmm. And he tries to explain to Leoline that, you know, this is a misunderstanding. Let's have a conversation about this. Mm -hmm. and, but Leoline is very, very firm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's because, you know, he's, he has a literal spell put on him. Later after Christabel has left and mm -hmm. it's been a year or two, mm -hmm. Um, Wei Jun actually sees and witnesses Geraldine casting a spell. Mm -hmm. And now he thinks, I've got the proof. Yes. King and I are like, we're like brothers. Mm -hmm. We've been together for, you know, we're like brothers. I will bring mm -hmm. the proof to the king and we'll get Christabel back and then everything will be okay. Yes. And unfortunately, that's not how it works out. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he himself gets banished. Mm hmm. And he does his best to try and find Christabel, but I mean, the, the six territories is a big place. Mm -hmm. And after several years, he's forced to beg mm -hmm. just to survive. Yeah. And Christabel finds him begging outside of a tavern. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she goes to give him some some money, and she looks, and he has what I would say are impossibly green eyes. Oh, okay. He has such, such pure green eyes that mm -hmm. nobody else. I mean, and, and, you know, Christabel's got blue hair, so you know. I mean, mm -hmm. we we play with reality a bit here. Oh, that's yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But that's you know that's the that's the genre. Yes. Um, and so she when she leans down to pitch a coin in, she looks at him, and Amagoya does this great shot where she does a side by side where you see him as a young knight clean shaven mm -hmm. you yeah. know everything and then you see him as a beggar long beard yes hairs all straggly mm -hmm. literally wearing rags mm -hmm. um but his eyes are mm -hmm. these bright green eyes like almost glow in the dark green mm -hmm. and she says is that you and he and i mean she's changed significantly since he had last seen her yes mm -hmm. And he says, I finally found you. And the two of them are then reunited. Mm -hmm. And they both have a vendetta against Geraldine yes. because 
Geraldine is the reason why both of them have been cast out. You know, yes. Christabel's father was turned against her and Weijun was very close to her father. He was, mm -hmm. you know, his trusted advisor mm -hmm. and Geraldine turned him against Weijun. Um, and that's, so now they have, now Christabel feels like she's got some, you know, footing. She's, mm -hmm. she can, she's got a place to stand because now she's, she's not doing this alone anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so she learns about, they're they're looking for mystics, somebody who can help them, and she learns about this man named Roland. Oh, okay. Who is allegedly is a mystic, mm -hmm. and who may or may not hold the key to vanquishing Geraldine mm -hmm. once and for all. Mm -hmm. And that's when that's when Roland gets uh, involved into it. Um, and Roland is 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 a Pretty, he's a quirky character in the sense that he is he does have magic he is yes. uh he does have the ability to wield magic but he tries to do it a little more for profit so it's a, yeah. for him it's a little more you know just like parlor tricks yes um for profit versus mm -hmm. you know the real stuff and she and christabel and Weijun sort of sit down with him and say look like we don't we don't want yeah. the cheesy stuff. Like we need the real deal. Yes. And um he has his own sort of motivations that that will start to play out and such. So they can't they're not sure they can quite trust him yet. Uh-huh. But they're willing they're willing to try because at this point they figure, all right, we know we know he's got a he, he knows more than he's letting on and he knows more than we do. So yes. let's play along for now and see what he can give us. Oh my God, this sounds really great. Um, and I mean, Erica, I'm gonna, you know, you know, I'm gonna back this Kickstarter. Um, Thank you. The story, I mean, like I said, just for you listening to you tell the story, and this is only volume. And, and correct me if I'm. It's a graphic novel, right? This first one is. Yes. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be three volumes to match yes. the three missing chapters of Coleridge. And so the first volume is going to be, they're each going to be about 60 pages. Mm -hmm. So the first volume takes us up to uh, when they finally meet Roland uh -huh. and they end up, um, they, they, they decide that they're going to trust him for now. Yes. And they start on their journey. Uh, that's when the first uh, volume uh, ends. The second volume uh, picks up with, while they're along their journey, uh, what's been going on with Geraldine because she's trying to angle uh, the king to start a war with one of the other territories yeah. to try and gain power. So mm -hmm. there's a little p political intrigue going mm -hmm. on there. Um, and then, you know, they, they sort of, they take a wrong turn, things get a little out of hand, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they have to right themselves again. Like I said, oh my God, just the first, first volume, this sounds great. It, uh, I mean, I'm, it does, because it kind of, it, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just you describing about, um, um, Christabel, you know, literally being expelled from her home, um, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the captain of the guard being expelled too, and a little bit about Roland, it almost sounds like, and like it, just, just listening, it almost sounds like, it's almost like um, they're different people, but it's almost like they have, they're almost, but the story sounds like um, um, that 
almost like they have to find their true self again or some something like that yeah. you know well i mean they they grow you know being in court being you know a member of the court mm -hmm. so being a princess and then being in this position you've got to find out who you are now you yes. have to redefine who you are yes yes you know, right. having having been you know captain of the king's guard yes and then literally becoming a literal beggar yes you know, that yes. is a huge difference it, it's like a fall from um, grace yeah and and what happens is the two of them have independently been trying to you know redefine themselves and come to terms with who they are and mm -hmm. now that they're together they're sort of they're bolstering each other yes. they're, they're helping each other out and you know to a certain extent there's a there's a a, a, a lot of pridefulness you know mm -hmm. and there's a lot of you know loss of pride yeah that's right yes and you know and say again oh no yes yes you're right yeah yeah so so there's shame involved with going from being a a dedicated knight to now being a beggar, going from being this princess to now being, you know, this bounty hunter mercenary. Mm -hmm. There's some shame there. Yes. But together they are able to reconcile that. They are able to understand that, you know, they are surviving and that mm -hmm. there is no shame in survival. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever form that takes. Mm -hmm. And they they become a support system for each other, which is so important because neither one of them have, have had support for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's not just finding somebody support you, it's finding someone from your past who already knows you yes. that can support you. Mm -hmm. And and that's what's really important between the two of them. And, you know, when there's an interaction where another king from one of the other territories comes and talks about, you know, where's, where's you know, where's the princess and, and her giant? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it's it's sort of almost swept under the rug like oh well they're gone it's, they're, they're not here they're no longer with us yes so what did they pass away did they die nothing it's fine it's yeah you know it's very sort of swept under the rug because it's an embarrassment even to the kingdom so mm -hmm. so i mean it's there's there's some you know politicking going on as yes. well um but Geraldine is a very bad person uh, okay. oh <laughs> my god we make no bones about that we make I... no bones about that I can't wait for this. Um, let's see. Um, the other two volumes, may I ask, like, do you have outlines done or drafts done for the other two volumes? I I have volume three is loosely outlined. Okay. I know I know where it's gonna go, but I just haven't done like page breakdowns. Volume two is pretty tightly outlined. Um the artwork for volume one. We have uh, 12 more pages of artwork for volume one to do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Amagoya Aguirre is the artist, phenomenal artist, yes. so great to work with. Um, really just a lot of fun and brings like a lot of emotion, but also like kind of um, a brevity to some of these like very serious scenes. Mm -hmm. um, so she's great to work with. And uh, she's doing the color. I'm I'm helping doing color flatting, but she's uh, doing all the color mm -hmm. renders and everything. Um, but yeah, so she's got I I want to say like twelve, maybe thirteen pages oh. left, and then you know the whole volume is is done. So with luck, we will be maybe halfway through our Kickstarter when when volume one artwork is done, and uh, the lettering is 
most, I mean, it's obviously you need the art to letter, but the, uh, the script is written out mm -hmm. and, uh, and the lettering I think is up to page 42 is already lettered. Mm -hmm. So. And then, um, do you want to give a shout out to you, your letterer, that letter, letterer? Uh, Cardinal Ray, I've worked with multiple times, uh, and I, I bring in uh, I bring in James Emmett, my my editor, my yes. editor, editor extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. um, James is working with me on this. Um, we also have four different covers. Mm -hmm. um, so the four cover artists are Skylar Patridge, Allison Sampson, mm -hmm. Fabian Lelay, and Natasha Altarici. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really excited about the the cover art we're really excited each one of them took a very different um approach to mm -hmm. the character yes mm -hmm. and they each found a way to either go gritty or playful yes. or mm -hmm. you know sort of tap into the sort of innocence lost of yes. christabel and everything um so it's i mean they're both uh, they're both excuse me all four of them are phenomenal artists and they all brought just their own little spin to the to the covers to the stories mm -hmm. so um so yeah i mean if people pledge they can choose their cover we actually just put in a tier today where you can get all four covers if mm -hmm. you wanted to um but um yeah i'm i'm really i'm excited because to me this sort of feels like a completion or at least chipping away at something that has literally been on my mind for, mm -hmm. oh my God, almost 30 years now. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I have to say, it, it's also kind of nice that it, it's that you're completing Samuel Taylor Coolridge's story. You know, I mean, we're almost... Uh, I mean, I don't know how he feels about it. He no, might but, be sitting in his grave right now. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, because, you know, because you know um you as an english major you're you're probably not the only one alone to go what happens next you know what happens you know um and you know not and the thing is is that you know like i said it, it's just so cool that you know that this is your the pat you know, that you love this poem it was your passion you want to see how the story ends you know and you know um and you brought a team together to help you complete this vision, you know, and this is something that you can call this, you know, now I know how, you know, how um, Samuel's, you know, epic poem ends, you know. Well, at least my estimation of how it is. There was a film that was done, I want to say in early 2000s, um, a Christabel film, but it was a, a sort of, a, I think it was more of a modern take on it. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I purposely did not, I, I knew that the film existed, but I purposely did not read about it, and yeah. I purposely did not watch it. Yeah, I didn't want any influence yes. on what we've been doing. Um, but I mean, there have been people who have attempted this before. I don't know if anybody's attempted it in a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. um, they might have attempted it in terms of writing like a prose novel. Mm -hmm. um, but you know the the mystery there of what were you thinking like yes. what where was this story going to go mm -hmm. is what has been driving me because there are so many different ways this could go mm -hmm. and the fact that you know all right there's going to be three parts left yes you're talking about multiple stanzas mm -hmm. 
that you don't, you know, that, that are just not written mm -hmm. or at least not discovered. Again, I don't know if, you know, for all we know, somebody can find this cache of old documents and folios and, oh my God, look, there's an outline, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, I'm not aware of, and I'm, I'm by no means the expert on this, but um, I'm not aware of, of any any direction of where those last three parts were going to go. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. I, I just want to know how it ends. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I think yeah, you know, and um, yeah. but like I said, it um, but just listening to you talk about Cristobal, you know, um, you know, um, Roland, because they they all you know they just seem like you know again, um, they're they're kind of sort of outcast. You know, they had to survive, you know, they're redefining really who are they, who is Krista, who, you know, Christopher wants to know, who is she outside the castle, literally outside the castle. And like I said, it just, I, it just sounds like an amazing story. Thank you. Um, Sorry, Erica, I'm going to try to, I'm going to speed things up because I, we're getting <laughs> close to running short on time because I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I am. I just want to go through some of the tiers. I know. I. I. You know. Um. I know. You know. Um. For people who are gonna and feel free to add anything. Like I know there's one tier. The for if you pledge twelve dollars or more, you get digital copy. If mm -hmm. you pledge eighteen dollars or more, you get a physical cop copy. You know the soft cover with a digital um copy. Um. If you do the um thirty six dollar or if you pledge thirty six dollars or more. You know, you get a grab bag that has both the physical and digital copy. Also, has a metal bookmark um, set. Yes, of... I have I have the samples of the metal bookmark. Oh, I'm trying to get the. Oh, that's trying neat. to hopefully the light is picking up the etching. No, I'm. Can you sorry. see the etching? But I'm sorry. Yes, I can. But Erica, remember when we're going to use the audio? But oh my god, oh that's I love the back part because you see you because you, the, the is that. The, is that the C on the top and then the sword? That's the C on the top and then a sword. Here, I'll push it in. Oh, yes. Okay. And that's... then it's got a sword. And then on this side, yes. it's got the C, but then it also says Christopher. Christopher. Oh, that's nice. I got um, some samples of the bookmarks there. Oh, okay. And then the um, $200 tier, it basically is complete package. Plus, you would do a script. Crispy... A script review. Yeah, script review. And that one is if someone submits us for a script review, it's up to 24 pages. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want somebody sending me a 4,000 page script oh, and being God. like, here you go. It's like, no, no, no. I don't know. Oh. It, it would be like a single issue. So, yeah. you know, a single issue comic is between 20 and 24 pages. Yeah. I'll, I'll read the single issue comic and I'll give you, a, um, you know, I'll give you a critique on it. We will chat about uh, what is, you know, what your goals are for the story hmm. and such. So. Okay. And then also, to, um, let's, no, sorry, Eric, I'm going to kind of, we're going to speed through this a little bit. Um, just recently, actually, yeah. So in shops right now is X23 Deadly Regenesis. Um, and basically the, it's, um, it's, a, it's, this is the first story arc, right? Is, is, it a, is it a limited series, a first story arc? As of right now, it's a five-issue limited series. They have not told me that I'm. I will happily keep going with X23, yes. but they haven't told me that I am. Um, so this would be the first issue of a five-issue story arc. 
and it takes place um, during uh, the utopian era of the X-Men. Uh, so multiple years ago. So we're not in Krakoa. Okay. We are when they were, when the X-Men were off the coast of San Francisco and they were in Utopia. And Laura, it's when uh, Logan basically tells Laura, look, I think you need to find out who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of where you fit in this, not just where you fit in Utopia, but where you fit in the, in the wide world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what she does. She goes off, she tries to find herself, and unfortunately trouble finds her first. <laughs> um, I read the first issue. I gotta say, I love it. It's because she's doing the one, she's kind of kind of has that wandering samurai vibe to it. I love yeah, it. There's, there's a little hot, there's a little, um, you know uh what what's the word like the 70s um the the 70s hulk you know oh, yes. he's like wandering on the streets the first you know, kind of thing That's yeah right. there, there's a bit there's a bit of that um as as sort of an homage to to that sort of genre of the superhero going off and mm-hmm. and and having the existential crisis but also you know finding themselves both physically and mentally and everything so so i have a little a little bit of that in there oh that's great and i want to give a shout out to your artist edgar salazar Edgar salazar yeah you know um i because i love the artwork it there's to me it there's a nice little vibe of sean's sean chen style of artwork and i love yeah. it because it's great, and he does a lot of detail in the backgrounds. So not only on Laura and the characters, but if you're if because um when, while she's walking in the streets, it's like you see the details in the building, and I, I, it's great. Yeah. yeah, definitely does not skimp on the backgrounds. <laughs> um, your next Marvel um book that that's out in the first issue is out in stores is Hollow's Eve. Now, um, can I just ask you for because. For me, I'm not familiar with this character. Can I ask if you can, like, let you know, tell me and our listeners though, you know, like, who 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 is Hollow's Eve? Who is this character? So Hollow's Eve is actually Janine Godby. Uh-huh. Um, is her is her name, and she was a character that was um, introduced in uh, JRJR and Jam DiMatteis did a uh, the Clone Saga with Ben Riley, um, uh-huh. and. In, I want to say it was like 95, Holy 96. Yeah. And so uh, she was introduced originally in that series. Mm-hmm. And then in the most recent run of uh, ASM, of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, during the Beyond era, yes. uh, ben, is, ben is back and mm-hmm. his girlfriend Janine is with him. So during Dark Web... Uh, which was the crossover that just finished up, uh, I want to say, mid-February, I think. I say, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Um, during that series, Janine and Ben find themselves in limbo and make a deal with Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. And uh, Madeline gives Janine abilities because Janine, at, up until this point, is just a regular person. Yes. So Madeline knows that, and Janine knows that the, the best way that she's going to, the most useful, for lack of a better term, that she's going to be to them is if she has abilities beyond just, you know, being smart and capable. Mm-hmm. So Madeline gives her the ability to 
take these masks that are sort of psychically linked with her. And when she puts on these masks, she takes on the form of whatever the mask is. So in issue number one, we see her uh, putting on a mask of, it, I can't say Marilyn Monroe because yeah. you know, that's copyright, yeah. but she puts on what we call the model mask. Yes. And mm -hmm. it, you know, it gives her, it, it allows her to change her, her look. Mm -hmm. so she's no longer recognized because when she walks through Times Square, there's literally a giant billboard, you know, with a wanted poster yes. picture on it. Um, then she has the ghost mask, which allows her intangibility, uh -huh. uh, which allows her invisibility. Uh -huh. um, and her her main goal is basically, you know, she wants to now that Ben is in prison in limbo, she wants to break him out. Yes. So she wants to, to get a nest egg. So she's it's kind of a heist gone wrong. So she goes to steal money and she gets thwarted by the security guard. Mm -hmm. puts on the werewolf mask mm -hmm. and uh, attacks the security guard. The problem is, is that Janine doesn't always think ahead. Mm -hmm. um, she's very in the moment. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really understand that when she puts the masks on, she literally becomes that thing. So when she attacks the guard and yes. scratches him, yes, she curses him to be a werewolf because that's part of the the werewolf legend right if i remember correctly because okay. that's part of being a werewolf and she just thinks oh i'm just going to be a werewolf yes meanwhile later on you know she's watching the news and you know they're doing a yes. a, uh, a little package on you know there was a break-in at yes. the bank mm -hmm. and out comes this werewolf wearing a ripped up security guard uniform and then it hits her. Oh my mm -hmm. God! Yes, I I have destroyed this person's life, and I this is not what I wanted. So she yes. has mm -hmm. kind of a she has a bit of a mess that she needs to clean up. Mm -hmm. Um, because even though she's still technically a bad guy, yeah, she is. Uh, she has a conscience. She's yes. not a monster. She's not. She's not a Wilson Fisk. She's not. Yeah, you know, destroying people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why when she sees what happens to this particular character, this man named Simon Carter, who's mm -hmm. security guard, just trying to do his job, uh, she realizes that she's got to make it right. She's got to fix it. Because um, what I loved about the first issue is she's a sympathetic character. Because all she wants to do is, I just want to get money. I just want me and Ben to get out of here already. We, you know, drop the, you know, you know the whole spider Get out and, and, and have live. enough that we can like go away to wherever somebody's not going to find us yeah you know and just get there and wherever that place is get enough money to get there and settle down and then uh -huh. we're not bothering anybody and yes. we don't want anybody to bother us yes yeah uh, okay um let's see now the deadliest bouquet now in how now um, the deadliest bouquet now nick lowe the um spider-man editor in yeah. the back page he gives a shout out to um to let readers know to check out the deadliest bouquet now yes, that was very kind thank you nick that was really cool um and feel free to correct me on this now correct me if i'm wrong the deadliest bouquet is seven to nineties it is about um three estranged sisters whose mother trained, who was a mother who was a trained um, Nazi hunter. And she also mm -hmm. trained her daughter, um, her, you know, these three daughters. Now, again, these sisters, 
they haven't spoken, they haven't talked to each other for a while. They come together to solve their mother's murder. Um, you know, so listeners, if you guys are interested, you know, the trade comes out on April 19th. It's a great story to me. This story is more about family relations. Um, do you want to add anything to this? What I just um if you packed the I know a lot of people ask if we back the Kickstarter, then what's the difference between the Kickstarter and the image version? And honestly, the difference is the covers are yes. different. You know, um, yeah. but it's the same story, it's the same, it's the same book, it's the same interior stuff. Um, so if you back the Kickstarter, please let people know that you liked it so they can who didn't back the Kickstarter can go and pick it up from image. The other yes. thing is that with image, you have sort of a broad um, international distribution. Okay. Whereas with the Kickstarter, I mean, we had people who, in, you know, who had um, backed the Kickstarter that were in different countries, but it was much fewer people because it's smaller. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really tough in terms of the um, shipping rates and things like that. Yes. So if this is a book that you had wanted to get, now you can go to your local shop and actually get it versus having to worry about the Kickstarter and unfortunately pay like ridiculous shipping because shipping is crazy. Oh yes. Shipping costs are nuts. <laughs> um, I just want to say this before I um, ask the final question on the Delis bouquet. Um, I still love my favorite character is Poppy. I, I love her. She's great because she's just unassuming. She's this stay at home mom who makes sure her two daughters are going, go to school on time, piano lessons or whatever other activities. And yet, she, you know, you know, she loves her. She loves her husband dearly, but yet she has this hidden secret of, you know, she was trained by her mom to kill people. You know? <laughs> yeah. She, she's the one who rejected the, their upbringing the most. Mm -hmm. She's the one who really was, who who didn't want to to keep doing the things she just wanted to live a normal life yes and that's what she did when she got married and had kids when she decided this is the life that i'm go i'm going to create the life that i've wanted mm -hmm. um and that's why when their mother passes when their mother is murdered she's reluctantly roped back into the family you know insanity the family drama the family secrets mm -hmm. that you know she didn't want to think about it. and her husband comes if she sort of has to play keep away. Yes. You know, um, and keeping him at arm's length. And that obviously creates drama for them between um in their relationship. But not just that, but I mean she then has to deal with her two sisters that she hasn't been uh close yes. with. Yeah. Um, since she decided that she's gonna go off and 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 live her own life. Um okay, I'm gonna start two more questions because I, I want to wrap this up or you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um Signing and convention appearances. Um, anything you have set up for either late March, because I'm looking, hopefully we can release this episode within the next two weeks, but any signings or convention appearances in late March or in April? Um, in March, I on the 22nd of March, I will be at the comic book shop in William in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. Uh, I will be there. That's a Wednesday. I will be there from four to seven mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be signing um, Hallow's Eve. I'll be signing X-23, any other books uh, you've got. And that's March 22nd, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, I will be at um, Dragon Con, I think. Mm -hmm. Most likely will be at <laughs> Dragon Con. 
in September, and I will be at uh, the London Film uh, and Comic Con in July, and then New York Comic Con uh, in uh, in October. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, any... Since I'm going to London, I right around the time that San Diego. It's like a week before San Diego. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'm going unless I'm unless I'm you know nominated for an Eisner. I don't think I'm going to San Diego. Oh yeah, no, yeah, because yeah, I, I would rather go London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last question. Any closing words to our listeners? Just thank you very much. Thank you, Jason, and thank you to the listeners for support for um, you know reaching out and and saying that you like the work. Um, you know, I, I I appreciate the. I appreciate the love and support and, and I appreciate you taking time out, Jason, to, to sit and chat. No, um, you know, Erica, no, thank you very much. I, like I, it's just, you know, thank, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you, you know, another opportunity to interview you, you know, um, just thank you very much. It, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of nice because it's almost like we're doing this as, as an annual thing. This is the, third year in a row I mean, no and it's great and, you know and, and like i said thank you very much you well know? maybe next year when volume two comes out you know we'll we'll do it again and then yeah. for volume three yes yeah. yes um now you know i want to wish you all the success with the cristobal campaign mm -hmm. you know I, and and of course your marvel books you know hollows eve and um and um x23 x23 yeah yes you know um and, you know, for listeners, again, you know, um, the Cristobal campaign starts on March 28th. Um, let's see, Hollow's Eve issues two and X-23 um, Deadly Regenesis number two. Both of those issues come out on April 12th. And on April 19th, the Deadliest Bouquet trade comes out. So, you know... Um, um, Lots of things oh, happening in April. Yes, yes, but that's great for you. It really is. Um, I want to give Randy Martin, the co-owner of Dragon's Lairs, a shout out. You know, she pulled, um, you know, the first, the uh, she pulled copies of the first issues again for Hall's Eve and X twenty three. So, Randy, thank you very much. Um, I want to thank Drew, the host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. You know, again, Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha. Aloha. As you know, our LCS is Cowabunga Comics. Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Oconomowoc, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics. In a world ravaged by war and chaos, a group of survivors must band together to brave the dangers of a post-apocalyptic landscape. The year is 2000, and the world has been plunged into darkness. 
The nuclear fires have burned out, leaving behind a wasteland of ruins and radiation. But amidst the rubble and despair, a glimmer of hope still remains. Join Dork Day Afternoon as they face off against marauding gangs, enemy soldiers, and even the harsh elements themselves in the world of Twilight 2000. Will our heroes survive the challenges ahead? Can they keep their own humanity intact? Or will they succumb to the harsh realities of life after the end of the world? Two Past Midnight, an actual play podcast by Dork Day Afternoon.